Welcome to the Salt Church Podcast. We're a church that meets in the heart of Wollongong. Come and visit us on Sundays, 10am and 5pm at 275 Kira Street. We'd love to meet you. Hi everyone, great to be with you online. Uh, If you're new to Salt, welcome. I'm hoping that I'll be able to meet you soon and lockdown won't continue for too long. Uh, I'm uh, one of the pastors here at Salt uh, and I hope, you're, um, I hope you're looking after yourself uh, during the lockdown. It is testing, isn't it? Um, but do look after yourself physically, mentally and spiritually. Uh, do keep tuning in to what we're doing here at Salt and gathering around God's Word, being sustained by what God says to us. And, and your small group is going to be really helpful for that as well, even if it is uh, online on Zoom. Uh, why not go for a walk? Go for a walk with a, a Christian friend uh, or someone, a neighbour. Uh, talk, pray together. And uh, let me encourage you, uh, during lock- lockdown can really make us insular. Let me encourage you to get out there and look out for those who are in need in your neighbourhood uh, and in need in our church as well, those who are finding it tough or particularly lonely, uh, reach out to them. Well, we're in Acts chapter 1 and here uh, at Salt Church, if you've been around for a while, you'll know our great vision, our great prayer is to see a flood of lifelong disciples across the Illawarra and beyond. Uh, You'll keep hearing us talk about that. If you're new, that's what we're about. And I want to say to you you today, in case you're wondering, that's not a mission that we've invented. Uh, It's not a new mission. It's actually a very old mission. It's incredibly relevant. In fact, it's the most relevant mission on all of the globe. Uh, Its roots are here right in the book of Acts. Uh, right here in Acts chapter 1 that we're going to explore today. Uh, We've called this new series uh, Unstoppable. Uh, We're going, as I said, going back to our roots. We're going back to the explosion of God's church, the birth of the church that we belong to, but also the unstoppable power of God's word uh, that we see go out throughout the book of Acts. Uh, This is the point in history where we see a small group of disciples turn into a mega church, into a huge group of people. Uh, we see the, the gospel go from a small group of people in Jerusalem to the ends of the earth, to thousands, uh, even to us to this very day. And we're going to think into how it might go out uh, from us in, across the Illawarra and to the world. It's an exciting book. And uh, if you've read through the book of Acts... Uh, It is very exciting, and there are many crazy things that happen in the book of Acts, if you haven't noticed. Um, The Word of God is spreading incredibly rapidly. Uh, As I said, in chapter 2, it's from small disciples, small number of disciples, to 3,000, a megachurch is is born overnight as thousands of people are converted. Um, You've got lots of miracles taking place in the book of Acts, lots of healings. Uh, There's significant signs and wonders that are happening around the apostles. Uh, They're raising the dead. At one point, there's so much power, even in Paul's handkerchief, uh, that people can be healed by just touching that handkerchief. It's extraordinary stuff that we see here in the book of Acts. Uh, There's there's earthquakes that create jailbreaks and release the disciples. There's there's also massive controversy uh, in the church uh, in the early church, there's, there's issues, there's problems, there's, there's fierce opposition to the church, fierce opposition to the word, to the gospel going out. 
Uh, there's lots of suffering in Acts. In fact, in, in Acts we see the, the first Christian martyrs. And so I reckon it's a book we want to approach really carefully. Many have misread Acts. Uh, there's something unique about the ministry in Acts. I think we've got to get our heads around that. There's something unique about this period in the life of the early church. And so the last thing we want to say is, if it happened then, it must happen today. Now that's tricky because there are certain things that do happen in the book of Acts that do happen today and we should expect to happen today. But I reckon here's something that I think will be helpful to you. Think about the book of Acts and and you'll, you'll see it as soon as you start reading it. The book of Acts is a descriptive book. It's describing to us what took place. It's not a prescriptive book. That is, it described what happened. It doesn't prescribe, tell us what must happen uh, for all, all time, all of, all of church history. Uh, in the, another way of putting it, it it's, a set, it's not a set of instructions. It's a history. It's a narrative. Uh, it's t- talking to us about events. It's a record of events. Uh, which are unique and not necessarily repeated today. And uh, you can breathe a sigh of relief that uh, not everything that happens in the book of Acts is happening today. Uh, You get to Acts chapter 5, Ananias and Sapphira. Uh, What are they doing? They're holding back their money from the church. They're lying to church leadership. They're lying to the Holy Spirit. And how does God bring his discipline to them? uh, They drop dead under his judgment. I think you'll be pleased that that doesn't happen today. That's not the mode of operation uh, that happens in the life of the church today. And yet, Acts does tell us something very, very significant about who we are. We are a group of people caught up in the unstoppable movement of God. That, is, that was true for the disciples, it is true for us. What is that movement? It's the movement of God's kingdom, it's the growth of God's kingdom. It's the growth of God's precious church. And so Acts says to you, if you're a follower of Jesus, you are caught up in something really, really big. This is the biggest thing that you could ever be caught up in. Uh, Jesus has risen. Jesus is now pouring out his spirit. Jesus is now bringing people back to life, dead sinners to relationship to him. Jesus is now by his spirit making disciples. He's gathering his community he's making his church that is still happening to this day you are caught up in the unstoppable movement of God growing his church that is amazing I hope you see that I hope you hope you're excited by that Uh, that is a huge wow factor as we go through the book of Acts and we think wow we're part of that and I hope over this series you capture that big big vision that you're part of Yes, it's Salt's vision, but it's actually much bigger. It's Jesus' vision. Uh, who cares about Salt's vision? It's God's vision. It's the thing that Jesus is on about, and that's why it's our vision as well. And let me tell you too why you need to grab hold of this. Grab hold of this because it will sustain you when life gets tough. Uh, not if life gets tough, but when life gets tough when it's difficult to be a Christian, and it will get difficult. If, it's, if you're not even experiencing that now, it will. When you come under fire as a follower of Jesus, uh, when you look at the number of disciples in the Illawarra and you think, God, what are, why aren't you growing your church more? 
when, when you look and you see that people don't think Jesus is relevant to our culture anymore, or when you find it just tough, hard to speak about Jesus, to be a follower of Jesus, to be on mission, for all these reasons, I want you to drink deeply from the book of Acts, uh, see the big picture, see the big vision that you're caught up in. This is the message we believe, this is the unstoppable gospel that we are part of as well. So let's get into it. Acts chapter 1, have your Bibles open um, to chapter 1 and verse 1. And, and notice straight away, we're actually dealing with a sequel here. Uh, this is part 2, this is the second volume. Now I, I hesitate in saying a sequel, normally sequels are lame. Uh, but this is not lame, this is, this is a great book. This is, this is where the sequel gets better, the story gets better and bigger uh, in the book of Acts. Look at verse 1 with me. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that uh, Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. Now, apart from having a cool name, we, we don't actually know who Theophilus is. Uh, he's most likely a highly ranked Roman official. Uh, he's commissioned Luke uh, to write an account of what Jesus did and said. Uh, he actually, uh, we hear more about this in the first volume, in Luke's f- first volume, Luke's Gospel. Flick back to Luke chapter 1, you'll see it there, the purpose of why Luke wrote Luke's Gospel and why he's writing Acts as well. So Luke 1, uh, flick back to Luke 1 in your Bibles and you'll see the purpose. Luke 1, 1 to 4, many have undertaken to drop an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us. Luke 1 verse 2, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the Lord. With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus. There's his name again. So you may know the certainty of the things that you have been taught. So see there, see what uh, Luke's aim is. It's to write an orderly account. It's to investigate carefully. In short, what is Luke doing? He's writing history. He's, he's the true good journalist, gathering the sources, listening to the eyewitnesses, and then writing an accurate history uh, of Jesus' life, death and resurrection. A little interesting point as you flick back to Acts chapter 1, we'll pick the story up there. Uh, in Luke's Gospel, uh, Luke, Luke is not an eyewitness and he's not an eyewitness for about half of Acts. Uh, he's not on the scene. But from Acts chapter 16, you'll notice the language turns to we. He, he includes himself in the action. He's actually on the journey with Paul. He's literally a missionary with Paul on those journeys. And so there, at that point, from Acts chapter 16, he is reporting live on the scene. He's the eyewitness. Uh, it changes. little interesting fact. So Luke's gospel, the book of Acts, is history, is real history. It's why, as you go through the book of Acts, you'll see historical figures. Not shouldn't surprise us. You'll see real places, cities, cultures, verifiable outside the Bible. It's one of those things that distinguishes Christianity from other religions. I, I think it's really important to point this out. Christianity is solidly historical. Now, at one point, yes, it is about your relationship with God, your experience of God. It's subjective. Uh, there's no doubt that's, that, is, that is true and real. But it's not only your subjective experience. 
it has an objective, objective verifiable fact to it. Uh, a reality that is outside of yourself, that is deep in history, uh, verified by, by historical claims outside the Bible. Uh, very different to other, other religions. It's not, a, it's not a set of philosophical ideas that's vague and out there. It's not the vague ideas of, say, Buddhism or the moral code of Islam. Uh, it, at its very centre, it has an historical claim. In fact, throughout the whole of the Scriptures... At the, at the centre is an historical person. It's the Lord Jesus, a real flesh and blood person who lived in history, who died and rose again. Uh, Luke's task is to explain this, to report this, to let these facts unfold and for you to make a decision about Jesus for yourself. Now, we know a little bit about Luke. He's a doctor, he's, so he's, very, he's highly educated. We pick that up from the original language of of uh, Luke and Acts, he uses sophisticated Greek. But uh, look there with, with me, Acts chapter 1, verse 1. I notice he says in his former book, Luke says he wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until he was taken up to heaven. That's Luke's gospel. What's the inference now? What's Luke about to report on? Well, it's all that Jesus continues to do, continues to do and to teach. Notice that inference. Luke was about what he did, he began to do, Jesus. Now it's about what Jesus continues to do and to teach. And, and there is another really important point about Acts. When Jesus ascended into heaven, his work didn't stop. Uh, he didn't go on holidays. He didn't take a break. His work of doing the mission of teaching, of bringing glory to his heavenly Father, continues. Uh, the spirit he promised comes and is... is goes out from him in the book of Acts. Have you ever wondered why the, the book of Acts is called Acts? Uh, it's short, historically, for the, for the title, The Acts of the Apostles. Uh, it's what the apostles are doing. But perhaps a better title would be, here are the acts of the risen Jesus through the apostles by his Spirit. Uh, here is the acts of the risen Jesus through his apostles by his Holy Spirit. And I've just then told you something else that's unique to Christianity. Jesus is alive to this day. There's a central part of the gospel message. Uh, it's not just that he's a, a good moral teacher that had a moral code that his followers are to follow. That's, that's the case for every other religion. But here is Christianity purporting that Jesus has risen and Jesus is alive to this day. Christianity is different. And to follow Jesus is to follow uh, the God who is living, is to have a relationship with the living Jesus, to be on mission with the living Jesus as he is on mission to this day. Have a look with me at verse 3. After his suffering, Jesus presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, he was eating with them. Can you see, Jesus' resurrection is an incredibly public display, isn't it? This is not a hidden thing. This is not a secret thing. If you were there, you would have seen the real flesh and blood body of the resurrected Jesus. Yes, a supernatural body, but a real body. Uh, he revealed himself to hundreds of people on multiple occasions, at different times, at different places, 
these reports, it's not the report of one person hallucinating. It's not the report of one person having a dream. Uh, It's not the report of one person having a vision like Islam or Mormonism. It's hundreds of people witnessing the resurrected Jesus, uh, verifiable in history. And notice what the risen Jesus does. You you see it at the end of uh, the book of Luke and you see it here in, in Acts as well. Jesus, it's not just a flash appearance, is it? Jesus is mingling with people. Jesus is teaching people. Jesus is opening up the scriptures to explain, look, I'm the fulfillment of the promised Messiah in the Old Testament. Jesus uh, is proving he is the Christ. Uh, He's even, why why do we get the, the detail that he's eating with people? I think it's because he's real. Ghosts can't eat real food. Here is Jesus, real, with people and alive. And can I just say, if you're checking out Christi- Christianity, uh, do, do get this. Christianity, it's not about rules. It's not about being good. It's about a relationship with a real person, a living person to this day. It's a, it's a wonderful uh, relationship, one where uh, we don't need to pretend. We don't need to uh, prove ourselves that we're good enough for him. He's done it all. Uh, Uh, Luke's Gospel reported he died in our place for our sins so that we might be forgiven. Uh, Jesus has done an incredible thing for us so that we might be in friendship with God. Jesus now lives and we have relationship with him. But notice before Jesus ascends to heaven, he leaves instructions for his disciples. Uh, Look in verse 4. Do not leave Jerusalem, Jesus says, but wait for the gift of my father promise, which you've heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. See, the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit promised in the Old Testament in places like Joel chapter 2 is about to be poured out. This is a big moment in in history uh, that's happening here at the beginning of of Acts. We're we're about to explore that. So in two weeks, uh, we'll talk more about uh, the work of the Spirit But notice the response of the disciples in verse 6. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Now, do you hear what they're asking Jesus? They're asking Jesus, are you going to make us great again? (laughs) Not not America great again, um, but are you going to make Israel great again? Uh, Will Israel become like the superpower that China is aspiring to be, or like Assyria or Egypt were. And and listen to Jesus' answer in verse 7. It's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. See, Jesus actually corrects his disciples, doesn't he? He's saying, you know, yeah, you've got something right. The kingdom of God is coming. You're, you're about to see something massive, something huge. But it's not about making you great. It's not about the, the disciples becoming great. It's not about Israel becoming great. It's actually much bigger than even Israel. Jesus wants to say to them, I've got work for you to do. I've got a job for you to do. My spirit is going to empower you to be my witnesses to the ends of the earth and as my church grows as my kingdom comes in 
as people come into relationship with me, Jesus is saying, as the great restoration comes, the one that we heard about in, recently in the book of Hosea, that, that every Jew was wanting and praying and asking God to bring in, you're going to play a key part. You're going to be my witnesses. I say that you'll be empowered not to make yourself look great, but to make me look great. Empowered not to bring you glory, but to take the gospel, the good news of Jesus, to the ends of the earth, to bring glory to God. See, what they needed to understand is that when we're talking about the kingdom of, of God, it's not a geographical place. It's not a, it doesn't have boundaries in Israel. It's not, a, it's not a place in the Middle East. It's a massive, massive group of people who come to know the Lord Jesus as they hear the good news of Jesus. Our people from all over the world, from every nation through the centuries, Jew and Gentile, Jesus is saying, this kingdom is about to explode, but you are going to be my witnesses. Now, I reckon the disciples, when they heard that, would have been scared. So to be a witness is a gutsy thing. It's, it's like standing up in court today and saying, this is what happened. And the idea uh, of the word witness here, caught up in the word witness here, is also the word martyr. It's the idea that you would testify against opposing views. The context is opposition. So witness in Acts implies that you're going to get pushback, disciples. You're going to be persecuted. People are going to disagree with you, argue with you, oppose you. You will suffer for testifying to me. And that's precisely why Jesus is sending his spirit. See, without Jesus' spirit, the disciples are timid are afraid, well, they're back in uh, before Jesus' death, aren't they? It will be too hard. Now, again, in, in two weeks' time, we'll talk about the work of the Spirit. But I want you to see, uh, in, as you go through the book of Acts, it's many varied ways that the Spirit, he will show his power uh, through, you know, the, the Spirit, by the Spirit, the apostles perform exorcisms, by the Spirit, people speak in tongues. But I want you to, to notice as we go through the book of Acts, the primary role of the Spirit in Acts is to in, empower people to be people that boldly testify for Jesus. The Spirit's work is to empower bold testimony. Have a look at it for yourself. I won't go to the details now, but chapter 2, you see, remember Peter who was timid, who was running away even from a little girl? Uh, in the end of Luke, as uh, he was afraid to follow Jesus to the cross, the Spirit empowers Peter to stand up and testify that Jesus is the Christ. And he's not afraid, despite the opposition. Uh, in chapter 4, you see Peter and John are arrested. They're taken before the bigwigs, the heavyweights of the Jewish community. The Spirit empowers them to testify. No, no, Jesus is the only way of salvation. He is the Christ. By the end of the chapter, all the, the gatherers, chapter 4, verse 31, are speaking the word of God boldly by the Spirit. Uh, when you get to chapter 7, Stephen is the one testifying in his dying moments. It's a, it's a horrible moment, but it's a wonderful moment that the Spirit empowers him to speak of Jesus the Christ. That's the role of the Spirit, to empower bold testimony. But back to chapter 1, notice the scope 
of this work that Jesus wants to involve his disciples in. Look at verse 8. It starts in Jerusalem, then it goes to Judea, then it goes to Samaria, and then it goes to the ends of the earth. See, by the end of, of Acts, we're meant to see this is, this is starting to happen. In fact, this has happened. By the end of uh, Acts, the gospel goes all the way to Rome. Some have said, well, that's the ends of the earth for that time. Or is it Rome being the international city of the ancient world? From there, it will go to the ends of the earth. Or even more accurately, perhaps it's saying, actually, the book of Acts hasn't finished. Yes, we're we're post the, the apostles, we're in a new age, but the gospel is still going out and has gone out and has massively transformed nations for 2,000 years, uh, that is the work of God's Spirit. Uh, That is the work that the disciples were first involved in. That is the work that we are involved in in an ongoing way. So see here in Acts chapter 1, the stage is set for something massive, the work of God's mission. And notice verse 9, Jesus taken up, into heaven before their very eyes. Uh, A cloud hid him from their sight. Sorry, verse 9. An extraordinary sight, one of those events where you see, well, you see lots of them in the book of Acts. You realise Christianity is supernatural. It's not afraid of the supernatural. It, It will make plain the history, and part of that history is supernatural events. Uh, Supernatural events that are real. And Luke records many of them, and they're interwoven into natural events as you go through the book of Acts. I reckon it's a reminder to us that we live in a world that is bigger than the material. It's bigger than what we can see. Uh, that's very different to our culture, isn't it? Our culture is very, very much fixated on what you can see, uh, very, very much fixated on what you can touch. Uh, it's out of touch with the spiritual dimension. Spiritual things are not spoken of very much, um, but here we see, no, there is a spiritual realm, there is a spiritual dimension. Luke's not afraid to report on that. Uh, it is real. And again, if you're checking out Christianity, maybe, maybe you've sensed that this is the case. There is more to life than what we can see and touch. There is a spiritual dimension. Maybe you're vague on that, but you realise it's there, and maybe you want to know more. Maybe you're like a, a family member of mine. I'm always reminded of this. Uh, he's not a Christian. He, He's a pretty sceptical kind of guy. Uh, I haven't actually had him, I heard him speak much about spiritual things over the years until he took a job in a regional hospital. Uh, His colleagues had told him when he arrived, uh, they'd worked there for a number of years, they said, there's something you need to be aware of when you work at this hospital. Uh, There's a ghost on night shift. Now, the good news is he's harmless. Uh, and it wasn't a joke. On his first night, he says, he said to me, I saw the ghost. I saw this old man. He was harmless. I wasn't you know, particularly afraid, although it was pretty, pretty weird. Uh, and he was walking through walls, and he was doing his own thing. Uh, he was an old man. And he realizes at that point, there is more. There is more to this life. There is more to the material. I don't get it all. I don't understand it all. But there is a spiritual dimension, there is supernatural. If that's you, come to Jesus and hear what Jesus says about that. Uh, don't follow false trials. Uh, things like ghosts can be pretty be- bewildering. Jesus says something that's real and true, that's based in history. 
uh, come to him and hear what he says about the supernatural. Well, if you think all this is extraordinary, it is extraordinary. Jesus disappears into the cloud. It's extraordinary for the disciples. They look into the, into the sky. They, they must have wondered, what has just happened? Uh, lots of things are going into their mind at this, this point. And God needs to send two people to explain it to them. Two people dressed in white appear to them in verse 11. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus, who's been taken from you into heaven, will come back in the same way you've seen him go into heaven. What are they saying? Why are you surprised? Uh, Jesus uh, will return. He's the risen king, yes. Uh, He will return. Then the mission will be over. But for now, the mission is on. You are playing a part. You need to by the Spirit, go and testify. You have a part to play. Now, before I, I just uh, draw out some implications for us and we, we draw, it, draw it together, I want to just talk about the, the second half of chapter 1. Uh, there is something significant that happens there. There's one more thing I think Luke is alerting us to that must happen before the mission begins. And it's the disciples who are down a team member, yeah? Uh, They were 12, now they're 11. Remember, um, Judas betrayed Jesus uh, and and Judas has died. Uh, They need to replace him. And so they gather, notice they gather for prayer. The apostles are there. The the women are there, like Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of Jesus. Jesus' brothers were there, verse 15. It says there are actually 120 of Jesus' followers uh, gathering together and praying. And and Peter takes leadership. He realises there's a problem. He's been... He's been listening to Jesus, he's been reading the Psalms and he realises um, there needs to be 12 apostles uh, just like there were 12 tribes of Israel. This is how God does things. And how are they going to work this out? There's only 11 of them, how are we going to choose the 12th man? Well, notice the qualifications for an apostle in verse 21. Therefore, it's necessary to choose one of the men who have been with us the whole time the Lord Jesus was living among us beginning from John's baptism to the time when Jesus was taken up from us. For one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. You see what it's saying? Very simply, to be an apostle, you have to have been an eyewitness of Jesus' life, death and resurrection. You need to have been there from the beginning to the end. Uh, It's made more clear in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, you see on the screen, Paul He speaks about the uniqueness of the apostle. What are the unique characteristics of an apostle? The things that mark an apostle are signs, wonders and miracles. And they're the very things we see in the book of Acts. Uh, The apostles were unique. They were the once in all of history time eyewitnesses of Jesus' life, death and resurrection. Um, Their work, their preaching, their status as an apostle is authenticated by signs, wonders and miracles. And so can I just encourage you, be warned about those who claim to be apostles today in that sense. Uh, There are church leaders, unfortunately, uh, even here in the Illawarra, who want to say that they are apostles. Um, They're claiming to speak with the same authority as the apostles, to perform the same miracles as the apostles. And I think it's a dangerous error that we need to be aware of. Uh, this, this is a unique ministry in time, uh, this point in God's revelation. Uh, they had a unique role in the spread of Christianity. They're actually the connection between Jesus and us. Uh, we don't need more apostles. 
we have the words of the apostles. The church is built on the apostles. It's the words of the apostles. It's the New Testament uh, which we have recorded for us. Now, what are the implications as we draw this together? What have we seen? Well, we've seen Jesus is alive today. Jesus is on mission. Jesus is sending out his spirit. Jesus is gathering his church. That's about to take place. Uh, We're not the apostles, but we're still caught up in this. A great mission uh, between Jesus' ascension and Jesus' return, this is what's taking place by the Holy Spirit, uh, this age of the unstoppable gospel going out throughout the world. And I want to say it's, it's unstoppable, but it's, but it's not unstoppable, therefore I don't need to do anything. No, it's, un, it's, un, it's Jesus' unstoppable mission by his Spirit through us. And that means that you're on mission. You might not think of yourself as a missionary. If you're a follower of Jesus, that's the role that Jesus has for you in this age. And as a church, we're on mission as Salt Church. Our job is to call people into relationship uh, with the living God through the Lord Jesus. Uh, We want to see people become disciples of Jesus across the Illawarra. What What an enormous privilege that God has these huge plans and yet he involves humble us. Well, many would say we're 2,000 years on, Jesus hasn't returned, uh, what's going on? You know, 2 Peter chapter 3 addresses that, the same Peter, the apostle, says, no, no, God is not slow in keeping his promise. What you're seeing is God who is patient with sinners, with rebels, wanting everyone to come to repentance. He's holding off so that that great mission might continue, that his church might be built, that people might be saved. And so that means every day is an opportunity to testify to Jesus. Every day is God's kindness to let his gospel go out, to see other people come to know him, uh, empowered by his spirit. We're involved in that. And last point, let me say this. Uh, We've talked uh, today about being empowered. I reckon the, the idea of being empowered is attractive to us. Uh, it's, it's attracted to our culture. Uh, we want to be empowered. We often want to be empowered uh, for our goals, though. Uh, notice we've seen today Jesus empower, empowers us not for our sake, but for his sake, not for, so that we might see our mission, our goal uh, empowered, come to fruition, but we might see God's mission, Jesus' great mission, come to fruition, to achieve his goals, his mission. Uh, We're going to talk more about this at Salt Away in October, so make sure you set aside that weekend in October uh, to be part of, you know, what is this great plan and purpose that God has for my life? But just notice that the disciples, they did fall into that trap, didn't they? And and I, I reckon in our humanness, we fall into that trap too, that somehow we think that God is there for me to help me fulfill my life, my goals, my wishes. Um... I reckon you can kind of diagnose that a little bit yourself when you listen to your prayers. Uh, Are your prayers all about you? Are they all about the job that you want to have, the relationship that you want to have, the kind of comfort that you want to have and safety you want to have? Or are they about Jesus' mission and God's glory? Because that's what the Spirit is enabling us to do, to testify to him, to give glory to him. We're empowered for Jesus' mission and that's what salt's on about. And, and can I say this as we finish? Uh, it's going to be a tough mission. 
As we go through the book of Acts, you'll see people suffering for the mission. People, in, in, not only in Acts, but across history, have been martyred to this day for testifying to the Lord Jesus. And so we need to keep asking God, please strengthen me to be your witness. I feel weak. I often feel discouraged. I feel like, God, how could you use me? This seems really hard. There's lots of opposition. Please, by your spirit, empower me uh, to be filled by your spirit that I might speak boldly and, and, and have the character of life. That's what it's about. As you read through the New Testament, the spirit will enable you to uh, speak boldly of Jesus, but also have the character behind that, the godliness of character, the fruit of the Spirit, to be a different person as you testify to Jesus. So there is, we're caught up in something huge, something enormous, God's great mission, God's great desire to see the nations one for him. By his Spirit, he's empowered us. We're still on mission today, even during a pandemic, Uh, He's promised to be with us to the very end of the age. We are in relationship with the living God, with the living Jesus. We're on mission with him to bring glory, to testify to him. Let's pray. Our great Heavenly Father, thanks for the work that you've begun uh, in the Lord Jesus, in his death, in his resurrection, in the pouring out of your spirit that we've seen in Acts. Uh, Father, thank you that you involve us in this great mission that began with the apostles, uh, but continues to the ends of the earth. Uh, Lord, please keep empowering us by your spirit uh, to testify to you, uh, even in in spite of opposition. Father, we pray that we'd be filled with the spirit to speak of Jesus and to live lives that are different to your glory. For Jesus' sake. Amen.